Hello and welcome to this Grace Baptist Mission Media podcast. You're going to hear Serving Today, a program for pastors and church leaders. If you're involved in discipling others or perhaps you teach the Bible one-to-one or in a small group, Serving Today will be relevant for a wide range of believers. Welcome to Serving Today, the programme for pastors and church leaders. This is Andrew Cook. It's good to be in your company again. Christian Basics, the series continues. In our Christian Basics series on living the Christian life, we've begun to look in detail at the chief aim of the Christian believer, and that is that we honour and glorify God in our lives. Dr John Hall has been helping us with this as he's talked with Derek French. A word we've used several times as we've looked at how we do this is the term holiness. So, here on Serving Today, we're going to go into that in more detail and explore exactly what is entailed and what happens to the believer. With this in mind, Derek asked John Hall if he'd begin by telling us what is the basic idea behind the term holiness as applied to the Christian believer. And this is what he said. Yes, Derek. I wonder, first of all, whether we could ask the listener, how have you defined this word holiness as we've used it several times already in these studies? Well, in the Bible, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, there are two basic ideas associated with this word holiness. Now, firstly, there's the idea of separation or consecration to the Lord, which in the Old Testament applied both to people and to objects for the temple or tabernacle. For instance, in Leviticus 8 and verse 30, it says Moses consecrated both Aaron and his garments. In other words, they were set apart for the use of God. They were other, they were distinct, they were given over exclusively to God's use. That's the first idea. The second idea in the word holiness is one of purity, moral, ethical purity. And you'd find this idea expressed in Isaiah chapter 6, where the spiritual beings cried out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. And you remember that Isaiah responds with distress because he was a man of unclean lips. God was holy and pure. And Isaiah, in contrast, saw that he was not. So we're going to look at how the believer is made holy, separated for God's use, and made pure as God is pure. Now this process is technically called sanctification. All that long word means is being made holy. And it's been defined like this. Sanctification is that process by which the believer is transformed in heart and mind, will and conduct, and he's conformed or made more and more in line with the will of God and to the likeness of Christ, until at death he is made perfect in holiness. At the resurrection on Christ's return, the believer will have a body like Christ's body and will be perfectly holy. Now put in simple terms, this idea of holiness is that we are to be like Christ now and will be completely like Christ in the world to come. Derek, 
Please read for us Ephesians 1 and verse 4. For he that is God chose us in him, that's in Christ, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. God's purpose before the world was ever formed was to have a people who were separated unto him and ethically pure. And that occurs in the believer's life in union with Christ. The aim is that he chose them to be in Christ so that eventually they would be holy and blameless. We can read something similar too, Derek, in Romans eight twenty nine. Yes, and Paul writes, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. You see there, the aim in God's plan was that those he knew with love beforehand would be like his Son, like the Lord Jesus. That's what conformed means, to be made like the Lord Jesus. The picture and illustration then of a holy man is the Lord Jesus. That's what we're to aim for if we are Christians. Well then, John, is this holiness an instant thing that happens immediately we come to trust in Christ, or is it something that is more like a process that continues throughout our lives, or is it a mixture of both? Well, Derek, it's really a mixture of both. And I like to see it like this. Listen to this illustration, listener. Imagine you're going on a rocket trip to another planet. First of all, there's the liftoff. You suddenly, dramatically leave one place, leave the Earth's atmosphere. And then there is the process of travelling through space. And finally, there's that dramatic arrival at the new planet. The liftoff is instant, sudden, dramatic. The journey is a process. The final arrival is also sudden, a completion of the task. Yeah, that's a very good illustration there, John. Can we actually go through each of those stages yeah. then? You, you said that the beginning is a liftoff, a launch, if you like, if I can put it like that. What is that? Well, this liftoff is the once for all radical break with sin. You could say the liftoff is conversion, which involves this radical separation from the life of sin, from sin's power, from sin's domination over us, as well as from sin's condemnation. Conversion, it's true, we are justified by faith, declared not guilty through our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But also at the same time, we are sanctified, set apart for God and for God's use. As I said, this occurs at conversion. Before we are converted, we are dead in sin. We're bound by its power. We're ruled by the devil. We're slaves of sin. We cannot escape. Indeed, we don't want to escape. But then, when by God's grace we are converted, that bondage is marvellously broken by the power of the Holy Spirit and in union with Christ. We're removed from the realm of sin and placed in God's kingdom. Now imagine, listener, that you're a refugee, fleeing from destruction. You live in a wicked kingdom filled with fear and terror, and you're running away. And at one point in your journey to safety, there's a sudden change in your circumstances as you cross the border from the realm you are fleeing from into the country you are fleeing to. Well, Paul uses this sort of illustration in Colossians 1, 12 to 14, which Derek will read for us. 
Yes, and Paul writes, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he's rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Marvellous, isn't it? It is indeed. Now imagine, believer, how God has rescued you. It wasn't that you were fleeing across the border, but God in his mighty grace sees hold of you and took you out of the dominion of darkness, out of the grasp of sin and Satan, and brought you into his glorious kingdom, the kingdom of the Son he loves, the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, with that liberty, with that freedom from sin, with that forgiveness from sin. That's a wonderful illustration. But also, Paul gives another illustration, not crossing a border, but rather coming from death to life, being associated with the death of Christ and then being associated with the resurrection of Christ. And we find this in Romans 6, 1-7. And Derek's going to read that for us. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We die to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? We were buried with him through baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Before Paul writes this, Paul has dealt with the wicked being justified by faith in Christ. Now, if this is the case, the question comes, does it really matter then whether the Christian continues to live in sin or not? After all, he was justified, declared not guilty while he was ungodly or wicked through faith in Christ. So does really sin in the believer's life matter? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? That's the question. And Paul's answer is, no, no, no. Paul says, you, if you think like that, you can't possibly understand what being a Christian means. Don't you realise that being a Christian means being united to the Lord Jesus Christ? You're united to his death, and in that you've died to that old sinful way of life. You're united to the risen Christ, and so you've risen to a new way of life where sin no longer dominates you. Paul uses the illustration of baptism to demonstrate that. You go into the water, symbolising the dying and being buried. You come out of the water, symbolising the rising to a new life as a Christian, a life where you belong to God, where there's no longer any need to be a slave to sin. And so Paul is saying you must recognise that as a Christian you are radically different since power is broken and therefore we must live as willing slaves to Christ. Read the whole of Romans chapter 6 to see this argument. The Apostle Peter also teaches the same, that you've died to sins and you're living for righteousness. And Derek's going to read from 1 Peter 2 and verse 24. He himself, that's Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Death to sin 
is what we're talking about by the lift-off, that radical change. You died to sin and you're living to a new way of life. As we teach new believers, we can assure them that they've already begun the journey in John Hall's illustration of the spacecraft. In other words, they've become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and are trusting in him for the forgiveness of their sins. Having repented of their sin, they've turned their back on the sinful way they had been living and cast themselves on the mercy of God. This is the first great part of the journey anyone must take if they are to live lives which please God. Another pastor, Dr John Benton, who is a Bible commentator and who's also been a contributor to the Serving Today programme, has put it like this. We do not strive to be holy in order to be saved, that is legalism. We do not strive to be holy in order to prove we are saved, that's bondage. We seek to be holy because that is God's purpose in saving us and because we have come to be thankful to him. Well, that's the end of our time together here on Serving Today. Thank you for your company and we look forward to being with you again soon. If you would like to get in touch with us, the details follow shortly. So, this is Andrew Cook saying goodbye. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you as you serve him. Well, thanks for listening to Serving Today, a podcast from the Grace Baptist Mission radio team. To get in touch with us, you can now send us a message via WhatsApp. The number is plus four four seven five zero eight nine three two five three four. That's plus four four seven five zero eight nine three two five three four. Until next time, goodbye.